Welcome to this episode of Catchy Knowledge, where we want more than just fishy knowledge, we want catchy knowledge. Anyone remember Andy from the previous episode? He told me about his friend Rob Plies. Rob's passion is saltwater fishing, but he does his fair share of freshwater fishing because he lives right by Lake Michigan. Maybe next time Pete goes to Lake Michigan, he can meet up with Rob. Rob has gone fishing in lots of places, and I'm excited to hear about that. Today, I'd like to welcome Mr. Rob Plies to this episode of Catching Knowledge. Rob has caught huge northern pike in remote Canada, is an excellent bass fisherman, and an expert in wacky rigs, and has also caught tarpon in Texas. I'm excited to talk with him. Welcome, Rob. Thanks. I'm glad to be here. There's nothing more I'd rather do than talk about fishing besides fishing. So. And then the tarpon, those were in Florida, so not Texas, Florida. Whoops. Oh, that's okay. All right, let's get started with the questions. How and where did you start fishing? Um, you know what? I was a real young boy like yourself, and I have an uncle that loved to fish. And he started taking me when I was probably nine or 10 years old on trips, you know, a couple hours from the house. And it just got me hooked from the first time I did it. Fell in love with fishing. And again, I was lucky to have a family member that was willing to teach me. And that's what really got me kind of started. And it just kind of went from there. Where did you start? So I live in Northwest Indiana. A lot of it was fishing on Lake Michigan, taking trips up to Wisconsin, which is close, Minnesota, Michigan, hitting a lot of smaller lakes, rivers, things like that. That's how I got started in fishing. So you've lived here your whole life? Yeah, pretty much in the Midwest. I've lived in Illinois and Indiana. Do you do any fly fishing? I do. Not an expert by any means, probably the least what I do, but I've fly fished for trout, salmon, northern pike, bass, anything, but it's it's not my first go-to thing, but I will pick up a fly rod every once in a while. It takes a lot of practice. When I first got into it, it actually it was Andy Norton who you interviewed before, and he's the one that really taught me how to shoot a fly. It's one of the hardest things I've done when it comes to fishing, but it's, again, very productive. I should spend more time with it and do it more. How did you come to know Andy? My cousin, Matt, who lives in Seattle, lives a couple houses away from Andy. So I met Andy through my cousin. When I was a young boy, started when I was 10 years old, I would go out to Seattle, Washington for the summers. I would spend six weeks, eight weeks out there, and they live on Crystal Lake, which is probably the best lake I've ever fished in my life. Andy talked a lot about it. Caught the biggest bass in my life there. Caught some big trout in there. And, and that's what's awesome about fishing is that you meet people and they end up becoming lifelong friends. Andy's a good guy. I don't get to see him as much as I'd like to. We always try to put some fishing trips together. And unfortunately, we've not been able to hook up too many times. But every time I'm in Seattle, I, I will fish with Andy. Andy talked about Matt and how he is a son who is a good fisherman. So yeah, little Ethan, he's been fishing probably since he was old enough to stand. He's going to be just like my cousin. My cousin Matthew is probably the best fisherman I've ever met in my life. I've learned a lot from him. It's pretty cool to see that his son is just as crazy about it. Goes out there and does everything by himself. See the pictures and the videos of him fishing plastic worms and he can do it all. He's better than a lot of adults I know. I'd like to interview Matt sometime. You know what? That would be cool if you could do that. Get him and Ethan on there. What do you mainly fish for? <sighs> that was a tough question when I was kind of thinking about that. I fish for a lot of bass around my house. 
And that's what I mainly fish for most of my life. And then as I've gotten older, it's a lot of saltwater fishing I'm doing now. That's really my passion. What I've gotten into now is saltwater fishing. Fitch trips to Mexico, the Caribbean, Hawaii. I've got a bucket list of saltwater fish that I'm trying to catch now. That's my passion now. But I will catch anything that swims. Have a lot of farm ponds around us that we're kind of a rural community, subdivision ponds, regular lakes. And if it's bluegill, catfish, bass, I'm lucky to have a lot of streams around us too from Lake Michigan. So we have good steelhead runs, brown trout, lake trout, schnook salmon, smallmouth bass. I will catch anything. You typically will go for different species all the time. You know, I'm lucky to have Lake Michigan. It's about 10 minutes from my house. Yeah, we're right there. And I mean, the stocking they do in there with the king salmon, the lake trout, brown trout, coho. We have steelhead runs in the spring and the fall. There's always something to catch around here. And then the smallmouth bass blew up about probably about 20 years ago. You could catch one occasionally back in the day when I was young. Now they're just prolific out there. Um, The lake is so cleaned up. The water It's just amazing that you can see the bottom in 20 feet of water in Lake Michigan. Because when I was a kid, when I was 10 years old, I had an aunt that actually had a beach house on Lake Michigan. And every morning before you'd go out on the beach, bulldozers would go by and clean up all the dead alewives that were on there. It was terrible. It was polluted from all steel mills and all the industry that we have around. That's so since changed to see like Bassmaster who's out there now doing fishing tournaments on Lake Michigan. And it's a world-class fishery. It really is. We have stocking from Indiana, Michigan, and Wisconsin. There's just tons of fish. What do you fish for when you do saltwater fishing? So saltwater lately has been a lot of tarpon. I fell in love with tarpon fishing. It is the coolest, most exciting fishing I've ever done in my life. So I try to go twice a year, usually like March and September. But unfortunately, this pandemic's kind of stopped me from doing any traveling. There is always a good migration in the waters of Florida where you can really get into some big pods of tarpon. And I've been lucky to meet up with a guide in Florida that is really good and puts me on the fish. It's crazy to get into a big tarpon. A good story about what really got me going on tarpon is hooked into one and was using light gear. And it took me about close to two hours to get this fish to the boat. It took us about 12 miles down the beach. We were fishing in a small skiff. I was exhausted. My legs hurt. My arms hurt. I was sweating. The only time in my life that I was wishing this fish broke me off. What a fight it was. It was epic. And after that, all I want to do is tarpon fish. Nothing has ever given me that kind of fight in my life. Wow. Yeah, it was a great time. I highly recommend it someday in your life to get out there. One thing I've learned that a small saltwater fish will fight much harder than a large freshwater fish. After catching, you know, a lot of big northerns, muskies, even the salmon to get into those saltwater fish, I mean, they'll wreck your gear. They will just humble you as a fisherman, what they'll do to you, break your line, break your equipment, crack your hooks off. So it's very exciting. Do you use a fly rod for tarpon? I haven't. I've seen people do it. That would be something I'd be very interested in doing, but I need to get better at tarpon fishing before I would get into the fly fishing aspect of it. They have a very tough mouth and you have to be very good at fly fishing, especially for the large tarpon, to get them on a fly rod. 
I watched a guy one time and he was happy to just hook up one tarpon in the afternoon where I had probably caught 10 using spinning gear. It's an accomplishment to catch tarpon on a fly rod. The large ones, I mean, you can do the smaller ones in the rivers and things like that and catch a pretty good amount. The juvenile tarpon on flies, I have not tried it, but it is something I'm very interested in doing. Back to your first tarpon, how big was that one? So that one they estimated at about 190 pounds. You can't take them out of the water. It is illegal. You can take juveniles out. So anything under 50 pounds, you can get a picture with. But those large ones, you have to keep them in the water. The pictures don't do it justice, unfortunately, because really you get a picture of me and then just big tarpon head. You don't see the six foot body that goes along with it and how thick it is. And I don't have a great picture of it, but I have the great memory of it. Why do they have a rule you can't take the adult tarpon out of the water? I think it would kill them probably. Something with that big and that kind of body weight. I'm not an expert on it, but guessing because they're so large and when you're probably pulling them over the boat, you probably would do some internal damage to those fish. It's a great fishery that they just want to protect those big adults. Those are the ones that breed. You can get in the water with them and take pictures, but unfortunately I didn't do it that day. That's one thing I do regret is not getting much better pictures, maybe taking it up to the beach. But I look at it and say, you know what? I was so blessed to have caught that fish. We want to get a quick release on it. After fighting it for two hours, that fish is exhausted. So, you know, you really quickly just want to unhook it, get it revived and get it on its way. So I I think picture taking would really stress the fish. I think one thing is fishermen, we want to respect the fish and unhook them. I'm all catch and release and get them off as fast as you can and let somebody else catch them. Let the younger generation like yourself coming up, let those fish get bigger and let somebody else create some memories of catching some nice big fish. Nice. What's your favorite part of fishing? Oh, you know, my favorite part, you know, it's funny or some people think that fishing's boring. Even if I don't catch fish on certain days, I love to be just outdoors. I love the challenge of catching fish, you know, maybe a tough day and trying to figure them out. You know, a lot of people will, I was guilty of it myself when I was younger, throwing a couple baits that I'm used to, couldn't catch anything up. They're just not biting today. Getting some patience and determination to try something different, something new. What can I do to get a fish bite? I guess I'm happy with myself afterwards that I I figured it out. I did something different. I got that fish to bite today. Probably the biggest thing is all the friends that I've met fishing over the years. I have two boys, a 16-year-old and a 19-year-old that are really into fishing now, spending time with them. And really some of my best friends that live all over the country now that are fishermen and being able to travel and spend time with them and their sons fishing and their daughters. There's so many things about fishing that it's hard to say which is my favorite part of it. But those are a few. Nice. Do you have any fishing stories or experiences? I have a lot. We could talk about this all day long. One that I think is pretty unique is I was fishing with my wife in Mexico outside of Cabo and we had just a phenomenal day fishing. Again, very lucky to have had such a good day and we were catching Dorado and tuna. We were coming back into the marina. It was a long day. It was very warm. I was tired and I was kind of laying back on the boat with my eyes closed. And all of a sudden I hear my wife just screaming at the top of her lungs. So I opened my eyes and there on the back of the boat is a giant seal on our back of a boat. And its head is in the fish box trying to get a free meal. It had learned that when these boats were coming back in, that there was fish on them. 
just scared my wife to death. Grabbed one of our fish, a nice sized tuna, and just took off. Well, first, I couldn't believe that that happened. If you Google it, his name is Pancho, and he's famous in the marina for doing that to people. There's some YouTube videos too. It's Pancho the Seal in Cabo, and I mean, that happened to me. It was huge. It's kind of a fishing story. There was something pretty cool that happened while I was fishing. Wow. I don't know what I'd do. Yeah. Thank God he just got off the boat. You know, when you kind of sometimes see pictures of seals, they're a little bit smaller, but he was huge and well-fed. It's funny that the guides that we were with and the first mate, they were just laughing. I think they half expected it. And I think it's their way of maybe having some fun with the people that go out on the boats. You know, as long as he got his fish, I think he was just happy to go back into the water. Thank God he did and nothing bad happened. How big was the boat? Um, the boat was a 36 footer. So a pretty good sized boat. Hmm. And he just jumped right on the back. I do have pictures of his head and on the back of the boat. I think sometimes people think I'm telling a fish story. And I'm like, well, I got pictures. Thank God I had my phone there. That's one of the cool things about having cell phones now is you always have a camera available. And again, too, if you Google him, Poncho the Seal, he'll come up. He's done it to a lot of people. I'll be looking that up soon. I've heard similar stories of that, except with bull sharks in South Africa. There's fishermen in the river, and they know the fish are on the lines. So it's just a free meal for them. Yeah, and that's terrible. You know, I've had that happen to myself where I'm fighting a fish, and all of a sudden the line goes slack, and you pull just a half a body in or a head. Or, you know, that happens a lot when we're tuna fishing in Mexico, and that, that's just part of it. And it's unfortunate. You know, you try to get that fish in as fast as you can. Another funny story about animals like that. I was in Mexico and I was fishing off the beach. It was after a day of fishing and I was with my wife and I was just casting into the surf. I caught a nice rooster fish, got it close to the beach. This pelican came down and was trying to grab my fish. Oh, it was trying to get that fish in as fast as I could. And this pelican was chasing me and my wife halfway down the beach as we're trying to unhook this smaller size rooster fish. Again, he was looking for a free meal. Thank God we got the fish released safely. And then those pelicans just hung around us. So I mean, I pretty much had to give up fishing that night around the beach because they were just harassing us. That's not good. Yeah, something different that happens. And, you know, if you fish long enough, you get those crazy stories of things happening like that. It happened to me in Alaska with eagles coming after our fish. You have a salmon on and here we come an eagle trying to grab your fish, fighting at the top of the water. So, you know, you try to make sure that you keep them down, get them into the boat as fast as you can. Animals are smart. They know it's a free, easy meal. It breaks your heart when that happens. So I've heard a lot about your wife. Does your wife fish too? She does. I'm very lucky that she enjoys it. She has got the luck. We'll go out and she'll catch the biggest fish, the first fish, and then she just gives me a hard time after that the whole time. But yeah, she loves to do it. I think, you know, again, she loves the outdoors. I think she just likes being out there on the boat, seeing the other wildlife. I'm lucky that I can share that and and she lets me do it. She knows how happy it makes me and she's always willing to go with me and never complains. And I do fish a lot. There's no doubt about it. That's nice. Do you have any tips or tricks you like to use while fishing? This could be a technique or a piece of equipment. Boy, I guess this would be almost like a tip is that 
just keep learning as much as you can, all new types of things. You know, when I started fishing, we didn't have Sunko worms and wacky rig worms. And we always kind of stick to what we know, what we're comfortable with, what we've caught fish on before. The more that you can learn, the more techniques, if it's drop shotting, Texas rig, Carolina rig, there's a million different techniques out there. And if you learn them, and get proficient at them, you'll catch a lot more fish. I don't know if you use Senko worms for bass, highly recommend it. They catch fish everywhere. Maybe they want it wacky rig that day. Maybe they want it with a weight. Maybe they, so just trying different techniques and figuring out which is the one the fish want that day. Because what worked yesterday normally doesn't work the next day that I've learned over the years of fishing. You have to try new stuff and being prepared I mean, even having Google Earth, I've listened to a couple of your podcasts and I don't remember who mentioned it. Someone talked about Google Earth and there's so much information out there to help a fisherman these days. It's almost overwhelming. That was Sean. There's one technique I'm going to try to get good at this year. What's that? Flipping. I don't really know what it is, but... So that's something that I learned in Seattle with my cousin Matt that we talked about earlier, and we do that into the lily pads. We use it with Senko worms, but a lot of people do it with jigs, flipping a jig. It's a great technique, something that really will catch you a lot of fish. It's tough because you're looking at a specific little spot that you want to throw that jig or that worm into. If that's something that you want to get into, I would recommend get a bucket, a plate, and go in your backyard and just practice, 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 practice flipping that jig or flipping that worm till you get proficient. That's what made me better. Same with fly fishing. I was terrible when I first started and I would just go in my backyard and just practice, practice, practice. I would throw a target out there and I would just keep at it until I was able to put that fly on the target and that made me much better so when I did get out on the water I could make the casts that I was trying. What kind of rods do you use for flipping? Uh, You know I'm not one of those guys that gets really into specialized equipment. I mean I do have a lot of fishing rods I will admit that. These days it's overwhelming on the types of rods that are out there. There's rods specially made for flipping. Any type of technique. There's rods for smallmouth, largemouth, you name it, salmon rods. And you know, you need bigger rods for bigger fish, but just a decent rod, quality rod. And I use it for everything. I use the lightest rod possible with the lightest line because I don't really care if I get broken off by the fish. I love the fight more. Light gear, light line makes it much more exciting. Nice. Do you have any advice for me as a young fisherman? Yeah. Again, I was listening to other podcasts. I didn't want to give you the same advice, so a little something different. I think the one thing that I learned as I got older, I didn't really quite do it when I was younger, was to really take care of my equipment. When I get back from fishing to make sure that if I'm using lures that day, make sure that they're dry so that the hooks don't rust on them. Making sure a couple times over the season will oil and grease my reels. A good reel will last you your whole life if you take care of it. And a lot of people don't do that. I think probably the biggest advice I will give is retying. People don't do it. I didn't do it enough when I was younger. Lost a lot of fish that will break you off because your line gets nicked, especially if you're fishing streams, rivers, around laydowns, logs, things like that, that will beat your line up if you're not using braid. And there's nothing worse than hooking into a fish and getting broken off because your line was nicked. That's heartbreaking to me. So tie often. Every time you catch a fish or 
You feel like you got hung up on something? Take the minute and retie. You'll be happy later on that you did. Because sooner or later, you will break a fish off because your line was damaged. All right. Time for some rapid fire questions. We should be quick. Braid or mono? Braid. Spinning or bait casting? Uh, spinning. Live bait or artificial bait? Dude, I'm going to say artificial, but sometimes there is a need for live bait. But 90% of the time, I'm artificial. Hard baits or soft baits? Soft baits. Bank or boat? Oh, boat. That's a tough one. Favorite fish to eat? Favorite fish to eat is going to be perch. I don't think there's a better tasting fish than a perch. Walleye is a close second, but perch for me. All right, time for our last question. If you could go anywhere in the world, what would your dream catch be? Oh, so I've got a bucket list and I've been slowly checking them off. One of the fish that's been on there is a marlin, a blue marlin. I fish for them in Mexico and I fish for them in Hawaii and I've yet to catch one. Someday I'm going to get one. Yep. Thanks for coming on. Oh, it's been my pleasure. Definitely fun for me. I enjoy talking about fishing, especially with somebody at your age that's really into it. I think it's great that your podcast, other people are listening to it and learning with you learning cool stuff too. Again, good job to you and I appreciate you having me on. It was a lot of fun. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Catching Knowledge. If you haven't already subscribed, I encourage you to do that. Maybe you could leave a rating or write a review too. I'd like to thank Andy for telling me about Rob. I'd also like to give a big thanks to Rob for coming on today. I had a lot of fun interviewing Rob. See you next time on Catching Knowledge.